name is Shandy Chernow, and you're listening to the Shandyland Podcast. Today, I have Michelle Addison, who is not only a food allergy haver herself, also an allergy parent, and the founder of Allergood, which is a new service that's coming to the market, and I cannot wait to hear all about it. But first, well, first of all, thank you for being here. I appreciate it. Uh, but I really, I want to hear your allergy journey because it's not just like my kid had this. You have all sorts of allergy stories to tell. Where did it start? How did it feel? What have you been through? All the stuff. Break it yes. down. Uh, well, thanks for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Uh, so my daughter was born in 2010 and it's that similar story that we've heard on other podcasts of, you know, she was born she started having these bloody diapers. Mm. I had no idea what was happening. We lived. No wonder you in trailer friends. Oh yeah. We lived lived in Boston at the time. And I remember being petrified. I mean, this was not in anything that I had read about. It wasn't anything that anybody had talked to me about. And I had never heard another parent um, ever tell a story about it. And so um, thankfully I was very lucky because I had a friend that she said, we have a doctor who focuses on this exclusively and she's written papers about it and you need to see her and I'll get you an appointment. And so this was, my husband was in dental school at the time and she was in, you know, she just worked in that department and she got us an appointment. And right away, the doctor said to me, it's a dairy allergy and a soy allergy. And you have to, I was breastfeeding at the time. She said, you either have to avoid both exclusively or you have to put her on this formula that's a hypoallergenic formula. And a million dollars. And a million dollars, right. So uh, she did tell me something that I, two facts that I don't think, you know, were correct. But, you know, it, it, again, this is all 12 years ago. You know, who knows? I'll give her some uh, benefit of the doubt. But one was that I needed to be extremely careful because whatever I ate uh, would stay in my system for two weeks. And so I felt an immense amount of pressure to do this right. I've always been a perfectionist. And when it came to being a first time parent and wanting to make sure I wasn't physically hurting my child, obviously I took that very of seriously. Yeah. And the second was uh, that if I did this for two years and I could manage to breastfeed for two years, avoiding foods, there was a great chance that she would outgrow the allergy. Mm. And so that, you know, obviously I'm, I'm thinking this is an amazing expert. I did go home and think, wow, this is going to be hard. Maybe it would be good to supplement with this formula. Tried that. My daughter would not even sniff at the formula. It smelled like soup, looked kind of gross. I was like, I don't blame her. I don't think I would want this many times a day. Uh, so I took on this, I lost 35 pounds and I was not heavy at the time. So I became very thin because I couldn't eat anything. And 12 years ago. Yeah. Soy is a really hard one in in combination with dairy. Exactly. And there were not as many alternative products as there are today, uh, to fill in the gaps. And I mean, basically anything processed is out. Exactly. Right. I mean, essentially. Exactly. And so eating out, which was something my husband and I enjoyed, we couldn't really. Um, I remember we went to Austin on vacation with her as a newborn. And uh, I went to a restaurant. I said, I'm allergic to dairy and soy. What can I have? And they ended up bringing me a small plate of fruit because they butter their grill and I couldn't have anything. On that same trip, we found a restaurant where I ate a lovely meal. I had spoken to the manager. Everything was fine then we didn't see symptoms of this for about 
four days, but we went back the next night because we thought everything had gone so well. Well, we know we can eat here. Let's do it again. Different manager that day. And he says, how did you manage to eat here? We butter all of our pans. We butter all of the grills. Like nothing would be safe here. Sure enough, bloody diapers in a few days. Uh, But I felt so much guilt on that trip, you know, A for eating out, B for trusting someone, you know, just compounded. So, uh, you know, my daughter did outgrow soy. She's still allergic to dairy. I then have two other children, both have food allergies, uh, peanuts and tree nuts. And uh, my son, I believe has a new allergy to cantaloupe. So we're working our way through that one. That can be just during a certain time of the year, though, because that's cross-reactive with with certain trees. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe in the fall he can have it, but not in the spring. I know. (laughs) Isn't it funny how food allergies work? So funny. Yeah, it's very, very odd. But we'll see what what happens with that one. And then um, about six years ago, I was, you know, leaving work. I had ordered the same pad thai I always order. I hadn't had time to eat lunch, hopped in the car. I was driving to my house where I was going to pick up my kids to do dance sports and all the other things. And uh, I'm getting to a light. I'm about a mile from my house. I had taken a few bites while I was driving. And I look and my bracelet is so tight. My hands are swelling around my bracelet. And I thought, oh my goodness, I think I'm having an allergic reaction. And so I thought to call 911 from that, from the car. Good for you. Because I was about a mile from home. So I called the ambulance to my house, uh, get, start driving. I'm now about five or six blocks from my house. And I suddenly feel like I'm going to pass out. I'm shaking. I saw the UPS guy that services my house. Sorry, I'm even getting a little like emotional thinking about it. But I saw the UPS guy that used to deliver to my house and I pulled over. I said, I'm having an allergic reaction. I could barely speak at that point. And he was so flustered. We're standing at a corner and he's a UPS delivery person and he can't tell the the 911 operator where we are. (laughs) So he flags down a cop that's driving by. So now we have a police officer, a UPS guy and me having an allergic reaction. There are some Um, jokes that start this way, I think. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I, the, the police officer says, well, can you call somebody? So I tried to call, he called an ambulance. It was taking forever. Um, I tried to call my husband. I couldn't even hold my phone because I was shaking so much. Uh, the ambulance finally arrives and they didn't have an EpiPen and they didn't even have Benadryl. And so they said, well, where do you live? And the UPS guy said, well, she lives right down there. So the ambulance took me to my own house to access my own Benadryl because that was closer than going to oh the my hospital. God. At that point, when we arrived, there's, there's another- so many things wrong with this story. So many things wrong. So also the fact that I later got a $900 bill from that ambulance who- Don't do that with the Benadryl thing. Anybody who's listening, don't do yeah, that. Do not. Um, so they gave me a ton of Benadryl, took me to the hospital where I then you know, got steroids and the whole bit. Um, But, and then my poor mom was at my house where the other ambulance had arrived and she thought there was some kind of home invasion going on because she didn't order an ambulance. They were trying to break down the door. So it was all kinds of things happening that day. Uh, Come to find out I'm allergic to sulfites. And so that has been a tough allergy to navigate. Um, It it is a preservative. It's mostly a sub-ingredient. Nobody knows they're cooking with it because it can be in lemon juice. It can be in soy sauce. So many things. And so eating out, which used to be one of the 
pastimes that my husband and I had um, is now not what it used to be. Um, and then recently he's developed an adult onset allergy to eggs. So oh, that's know, an unusual one for adult onset. Yeah. Yeah. That it does. And he used to enjoy brunch. So <laughs> not so much anymore. Not so much anymore. More bacon, less eggs. Exactly. And so I can't eat with him at all. It's, we're good. No. No. <laughs> and, and as of last week, my dog now has food allergies. So we are just, all of us have food allergies. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. You guys are a hot mess in the best possible way. Well, yeah. I'm so sorry that you had to go through that. That So your, your experience with your daughter led you to start your Facebook group and your blog about food allergies, right? Yes. And then so. this whole experience somewhere along the line, got you to start Allergood. Tell me about the entrepreneurial spark that, uh, that, that happened. Yeah. So I started, uh, dairy and soy free mama was a blog that I started when my daughter, Joelle was born, uh, because I turned to the internet and I didn't find a lot of support, especially for recipes. And so I knew I loved to cook. I knew I could tweak recipes. And so I decided to start there. Um, and then I kept doing it. Um, for the last 12 years, I have a community on Facebook that I just help answer questions and honestly just support people. Um, I've been on a FaceTime call with a grandma that was shopping for her child, uh, her grandchild. And I did it, you know, the whole grocery trip with her um, from walking in to checking out. And so just trying to really be there for people. Uh, but it was during the pandemic. So I uh, had been working. I've always been an entrepreneur, but I had been working at my company and I was thinking always that I wanted to do more in this space. Um, and I was painting my daughter's room, uh, during one of those renovation projects we all took on during the pandemic and listening to how I built this and just, I don't know, something in me said it's now or never. So, you know, the community needs it more. I was seeing more and more posts coming in about supply chain shortages people struggling to find safe foods. I was helping families coordinate, you know, somebody having an allergy in Idaho, needing something that wasn't available, trying to ship products to them. And I thought there must be a better way. Uh, and so I, I knew that this was a bigger entrepreneurial venture than I had ever done in the past. Um, I had mostly done small businesses. And so I wasn't sure exactly how I was going to bring such a big project to fruition without more support. And so I decided to look into MBA programs. So I'm an attorney, uh, but I had never um, ventured into the business world per se in this way. And so I reached out to different MBA programs to see if there was an entrepreneurship program that would be a good fit for what I wanted to do. And I connected with uh, Jamie Jones, uh, who leads the Center for Entrepreneurship at Duke. And she was very encouraging. And I thought, okay, I have something here that I can follow. So it, it I, you know, I spent uh, many weeks uh, doing applications and essays and taking exams. And this was after work. So up until three or 4 a.m. And uh, got into some MBA programs and ended up, you know, coming to Duke. And so really creating Allergood for me is uh, something that's been, I think, in my heart for many years. Uh, but we're starting with groceries. So Allergood, what's launching and coming to market soon is a grocery piece. So what does that what does that mean? What what's the what's the problem? Yeah. How does grocery shopping affect people with food allergies? And then how does Allergood solve it? 
Yeah. So for individuals with food allergies, we're going on average to three to four grocery stores a week. We're still buying on direct to consumer sites online. We're spending, you know, three to five minutes reading every label and that's not giving us cross-contamination information. So to get that, we're having to call our email manufacturers. Meaning during the production of the food. Exactly. Exactly. So what's happening in the facility, what's happening on the processing line. And so we're not able to get a window into that unless we take that extra step. What that means is that we're bored. We have no variety because we're buying the same things that we know are safe. And even then labels can change at any moment. So even though we know they're safe, we're still reading the labels. And oftentimes, even when we try to do the right thing, where we're calling and emailing companies, we're not getting responses. And so, you know, that spontaneity of I'm at the store, this looks tasty. It seems good on the label level. Let me grab it is not something that we can always do. And so I think that, you know, as we were doing customer research, I knew how I felt, but doing customer research, it was so validating to see that this is not just a me problem. And so this heavy load that comes with grocery shopping and what it means to plan safe meals for your family is a very real one. And, you know, studies showed 90% of parents are worried about, you know, what their kids are consuming. Is there going to be cross-contamination? And a third of us are going to mental health therapists because we're feeling this overwhelming feeling that comes along with all of this. And so... Although Allergood is looking to do a lot more in the community, we're starting with grocery because that has proven to be a huge pain point and it's a place where we can make immediate impact. So uh, how does how does the solution work? So what we do is we contract with brands themselves, so the food manufacturers. And what we're doing is we're creating contractual relationships with them to get the cross-contact allergen information and to ensure that when they make changes on their processing lines or within their facilities, that we're notified in a timely manner, man, in a timely manner so that we are um, able to update the information on our end before a consumer would be getting a product at a grocery store. And so initially we thought about being the supplier of foods and then quickly realized with all the supply chain issues and everything going on, that there are grocery stores and Instacart and curbside pickup that already do that really well. And so instead of trying to compete with those services, um, we would put our energies into what we really focus on doing best, which is transparency of food allergen information. And so that's really where our focus is. And so as a consumer, you would use our app and you would be able to scan a UPC code. And based on your uh, allergy profile that you have in the app, it will tell you, you know, with a check mark if it's uh, safe, both from a processing line uh, level and then also from a facility level, um, obviously from an ingredient level as well, but we already have that. So that's not a, a new solution, but uh, this will make it easier to make spur of the moment decisions at the grocery store where you're not having to go research something at home um, after the fact and decide whether it's safe to eat, calling and emailing manufacturers. So that's really what we're focusing um, on doing. Over time, we will add um, a, a feature where if you're shopping online, it will overlay on e-retailer sites so that you can have the same thing happen when you're online. But right now we're starting with the actual in-store shopping experience. Uh, so how much time do you think people are spending compared to non-food allergy families, grocery shopping and, and putting this um, mental load on themselves? It's at least four hours more a week of grocery shopping 
from all of the customer research that we've done and the emotional load is huge. Um, and it's different for every person, but you know, it's, it's not only the emotional load of worrying about the safety piece, it's the compounding guilt of, you know, what your children may be missing out on. Are you giving them a normal existence? And then this pressure to always be researching and finding and, and it's a lot that, you know, you have to take on when we are just as busy as everybody else and time strapped as everybody else. And so to add that on is sometimes not something that everybody can do. Yeah, no doubt. So then how does that, how does it drop down um, with the addition of Allergood going from that additional four hours a week? What are we dropping it down to? I mean, honestly, you'll be able to save your carts. So if it's something that, you know, you always buy, you can save your cart, you can subscribe and save, you know, type of thing like Amazon has, we won't call it that, but you know, everybody knows what that is at this point. And so you can have things that just come with no effort at all. Uh, so we'll make it as, as easy as you want to be. If you want to be on there and you want to be exploring, because this is a place where you can safely research to find new items to eat in a very quick and easy way. That's something that we want to provide to you too. So we, when we see what you're shopping for, we can give you recommendations. And we also will, I, I was at Expo West in March and met a ton of new brands that are looking to get in front of food allergy consumers. And they are doing a great job, not having cross-contamination on their sites, you know, so really being able to let those brands have a place to shine and bring things that, you know, maybe regional, regional for one person uh, in front of the eyes of somebody that would have never seen it. And so, you know, I think we're all always looking for things that are delicious and sometimes easy to pack and all of those things. So being able to just bring more of that to the limelight. Yeah. Tell me some of the stories that you've heard um, from, you know, the people that you've talked to anecdotally along the way, you know, the kind of pain points that they've gone through in their grocery experiences. Yeah. I mean, I talked to a mom that lived in a more rural area of Michigan and she was already driving like 45 minutes to go to one grocery store that had safe bread for her son to eat. And she got there. Um, I talked to her about a week after this happened and she got there and they had changed the labeling and now there was milk in her son's bread. And she literally just dropped to the ground at the grocery store and started sobbing. And so, um, you know, you hear stories like that. And then, you know, I think one thing that really cemented uh, the idea for Allergood for me was when I did customer research, I had so many parents that said, I wish there was a safe granola bar that wasn't cross-contaminated with nuts. Yes. But there Please. are some. But there are some. And so I think, and there were, you know, same things for protein powders. And a lot of these things came up where the products do exist. It takes a, an inordinate amount of research to find them. And so that's where I said, okay, this cannot be on parents to try to find this needle in a haystack product. It, it just doesn't make sense. I mean, it's 2022. We have to do better. Right. I don't disagree with you there. I have one protein bar that I eat on the regular and I'm, I love them, but I'm also bored with them Right, and they go out of stock relatively regularly and it drives me crazy, but yep. it's yep. safe and I've eaten it a million times and never had an issue. Right. So, uh, but yeah, having, having things like that would be great. Granola bars and protein bars. Mm -hmm. No nuts. Definitely. And you know, with the pandemic, a lot of times 
shelves were cleared of allergy-friendly items, the items that people were used to buying on a weekly basis. And it wasn't even because all of a sudden somebody was so excited to buy an Enjoy Life granola bar. It was just that everything else was out. So they bought the Enjoy Life granola bar. And so I think that also shows the need for a place where, you know, food allergy sufferers and parents can go on and, and find what they need. Yeah. I think it's great. Like what a great service for food allergy families to save time. I think it's, it's awesome. Now, what allergens do you guys um, cover off? That was my last question that I realized I didn't ask you. What food allergens we uh, allow you to select for Mm -hmm. right now we're doing the top 20, uh, but we are in the building phase. So what we're the way that we're creating our, um, our system to be able to do all of this filtration, we can add uh, different allergens that it seems like there's a need for. So I've had a few uh, parents that we interviewed that asked for specific foods to be added, and we're looking to implement that. So uh, if you know there are suggestions and there seems to be a need, we are all in for it. Like I'd love for it to be at one point where you can just drop down and there's hundreds of things you can select for. And that would be great because it's just as taxing to have more taxing actually to have these allergies that people don't quite understand or that are hidden. Tell me about it. You know, sulfites can be in natural flavoring. It can be in all these different things that are, you know, not even mentioned. And so uh, it's the same for onion and garlic where it falls into spices. And so being able to bring some peace of mind to those families is important. No doubt. No, we appreciate that. All right. So you have a Facebook group and one of my, we talked about this a little bit um, before we started recording, but uh, one of my favorite pastimes is to kind of laugh in mom groups, watching kind of the Facebook posts that go by asking for emergency information and like crowdsourcing kind of all these things that maybe just isn't the most logical place to go find that information. Talk to me about that. You must have some good stories. And then what advice do you have for parents? Uh, you know, when they're looking for information that might be better than going to their local social media group? I do. I I mean, I think I see these all the time, not only in my group, but in other Mm -hmm. groups. And, you know, it scares me. And it's another reason why I think Allergood is important, not just the grocery piece, but we have some telehealth components that we want to add in the future where, you know, instead of sending a photo of your kid's rash to Facebook, we can find a way to get a medical professional to, you know, provide quick advice on, on what to do. But, you know, the stories are both, they're scary and they also are sad sometimes because I, I feel like a lot of times parents are trying to do the right thing. So they may have already tried to email the company or they tried to call the company, but they're just not getting that information. And sometimes the doctors are not providing the correct information or whoever they're speaking to doesn't have correct information. Um, but I think it's scary. You see posts come up where, you know, kids are at a friend's house about to eat something and the parents are posting saying, is this safe to eat? And there's sometimes mixed answers as to whether it's safe to eat. So then I'm left wondering, well, did the child eat it or did they not eat it? Uh, or, you know, the the hives pictures where is this an anaphylactic reaction? Um, and you see the puffy face and all of that. That obviously, you know, scary. Um, so... I mean, my biggest advice would be to find a trusted allergist, to find um, a community wherever you can locally, if you can find parents that have children with food allergies. Um, 
sometimes even like school nurses will have experience dealing with kids with food allergies that they may be able to point you either to other parents in the school um, if they're able to do that. Uh, but just really finding the, the trusted sources of information. And then you have, you know, online, I mean, you have groups like Fact and Fair and, and different things where you can find information, but the the crowdsourcing can, I think, get tricky because you don't know who you're asking and whether they have the right information that they're giving back to you. Right. It's just, it's always so interesting, not just on the food allergy topic, but kind of topics in general. Um, how many of those posts that you see going across on the parent groups, you know, from whatever topic it's, it's. Yeah. And, and another piece that, you know, in our research we found is that, you know, underserved families go to the ER a lot more, almost two to three times more than your average income family. And so a lot of times I'm also left wondering, is this because there's lack of access to care that people are on Facebook sourcing information? And if it is, that's another problem that we need to fix. Uh, and we know that that problem's there now, but, you know, creating a way to uh, bring more equal care to food and information and resources to food allergy families. Yeah, all of, all of that. Yeah. So one other question that's kind of sidebar, I'm just curious, given that you've got five humans and a dog, I didn't know that, in your house that have food allergy issues of varying types of food. Uh, have you guys gone down the path of any of the therapies, oral immunotherapy or SLIT or whatever things that I'm missing on my very short list there uh, to try and attack those things? We haven't yet. Um, and I, I think it's partly because- Me neither, by the way. I'm just curious. Yeah. I, I think we've been so busy and, and that stresses me out a little bit when I think about it. And so I think I've just been pushing it off. I've been reading more about it, um, about oral immunotherapy specifically, um, but I'm not sure that I'm mentally there yet. <laughs> I, I hear the good stories, but I just, I, I feel like it's, a, I, I feel like it would be almost a full-time job to take that on right now. Um, and I'm not sure. So. Yeah, I haven't either. You know, I've, I've interviewed obviously a, a lot of doctors who offer the different therapies, particularly for kids. I feel like there's less options for adults um, and less options further, you know, when you've got multiple food allergies, I was just, you've got five whole different humans. And so I didn't know what your, what your thoughts on the whole thing were. Um, but I have not done, gone down that path either. Although I'd really like to, I'd really like to get to a point where it's just not that scary anymore, you know? That would be nice. Right. All right. So tell everybody how they can connect with you, with Allergood and with your Facebook group online. Okay. So Allergood does have a Facebook page. It's just Allergood. Um, we're on Instagram at go underscore Allergood. Uh, you can email me if you have any questions about Allergood or you want us to specifically look into doing something when we're creating the platform at michelle at Allergood.com. And it's M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E. Um, so, you know, feel free to find us. We're on LinkedIn under Allergood. We're on Twitter as Allergood. So plenty of places you can, you can find us. Very good. And then two truths and a lie. I like to wrap up all the episodes that way. So three facts about yourself, one of which is not true. Don't tell us the answer and in no particular order. Okay. Sounds good. Uh, number one is that I was a guest on the Oprah Winfrey show during my time at Northwestern where I went to college. 
number two is that I've been nose to nose with a sea turtle before. And number three is that my dog was once in the puppy bowl. Ooh, those are good ones. And I like it. You, you, you did a good job with your two truths and a lie. Well, I'm very excited to find out which one is not true and maybe talk about the other two because those are interesting ones. If you want to know what Michelle's falsehood is, although I want all of those things to be true, uh, let us know on in the comments on your favorite social media platform or podcast platform and uh, we'll talk about it. Michelle, thank you so much for being here and thank you for the work that you're doing. I appreciate it. Um, and I think that, that what you're doing is great. What a great time saver for people and peace of mind. So anyway, this has been the Shandyland podcast. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you soon.